0: everyone, and welcome back to JCM, Prepare the Way. My name is Carol, and I am here with Mallory and also a very special guest that we have on our program today. This is a woman who I have known for about 16 years, pretty much since I moved to Colorado, and I know Mallory has also known for quite a bit as well. And we asked her to come on our program today to discuss a very important topic the topic of the sanctity of life, but mainly as it pertains to abortion. We know that this is a hot button in our country right now, actually a hot button around the world, but Mallory and I are committed to having some of these really difficult conversations because it's really important for the body of Christ to be able to talk about these things, even if we don't all agree, right? Well, with Roe v. Wade front and center in our nation, once again, Many people are trying to figure out where they land on this issue. It's a huge moral issue that is facing our country and facing the world. And since Roe v. Wade passed in 1973, I'm not sure if a lot of you out there know this, but 63 million children's lives have been lost to this practice in America alone. 63 million. And according to Worldometer, if any of you follow Worldometer, Worldwide abortions to date, just for 2022, are already at 16 million. And I want you to keep in mind that countries like Europe, countries in Europe, a lot of them have stricter abortion laws than we do here in the U.S. They do not permit abortions after the first trimester. And I don't know if any of you know this either, but Colorado has become the third worst place in the world with human rights laws right behind China and North Korea because we just passed the worst abortion law in history for our country. So this is no small number, my friends, which is why abortion is such a point of controversy within culture, but it's also become that within the body of Christ as well. And that's precisely why, even if it's hard, we need to start having these conversations. We want to understand what the Bible says on the issue, but also offer grace and love to both men and women who have this as part of their story. So with all that said,
1: we want to welcome our friend, Julie Hoban. Carol and Mallory, thank you so much. Um, I'm just so excited to be back in Colorado with you. I'm currently with YWAM in Kona, Hawaii, Um, But it's my joy to be back in Colorado speaking about God's heart for life, for women and children and families and really communities. So thank you so much for having me today.
2: Julie, we love having you here. And you know, we're talking about such a sensitive topic today. Would you take just a few moments, maybe just introduce yourself a little bit and give us a bit about your background and why this topic is so very important to you?
1: Yes, when, when you asked me to speak, I thought, how long do we actually get to talk? Because I, I am passionate about this issue. And so I'll give a little bit of my personal history with abortion and, and share a little bit about where God has brought me on this journey. Before I start, I really want to say to whoever is listening, I'm going to share you my story of abortion, my own personal experience, but I never want to put my story on another woman or another family. So as we share today, we're asking that the Holy Spirit come and especially if abortion is a part of your story, we're just asking that God come and speak to you where you have need and that the Holy Spirit will come and and bring wisdom and um, if there's needed freedom and healing, that is our heart for you today. So again, as I tell my story, it's my story. Every woman that experiences abortion experiences it differently. But I'm gonna give you just a little bit of my story and then we'll keep going. Um, I am in my 60s now, but when I was younger, I've actually had two abortions. Um, My first abortion was at the age of 15. I was raped and became pregnant, and my parents, I had a forced abortion. My parents forced me to have abortion. This was in Austin, Texas, right after Roe v. Wade became legal, actually. And you take the trauma and violence of rape, and then you take the trauma and violence of a forced abortion, and it was actually 40 years before I was ready, really, I think, in the maturity of my faith, um, to face... healing that I needed to go through. And that healing was very different from the healing I went through. I chose an abortion um, right after college. I was a believer at the time, and those two abortions really affected me very differently. With the one that I chose as a believer, I was a new believer. I knew the Lord, but I didn't have any kind of support system. I wasn't involved with any kind of women's group or Bible study or church um, and because of my previous experience, I never thought I would choose an abortion. And that's one thing I want some of you to hear today is many women who choose abortion. I never went in it, into it thinking, I'm going to end the life of my child. Most women don't do that. Many women are caught in very difficult situations with no support. Um, and so I chose the very thing that I hated. I ended the life of my own child. And Through that experience, what happened with me, as it does with some women, I experienced a lot of shame and self-hatred. I distanced myself from family and friends, but most importantly, I distanced myself from God because I never thought He would be able to forgive me. I had so much shame of what I had done that I hid from the Lord. But in his kindness, and in his graciousness, and in his faithfulness, he called me back to himself, and I went through this process of healing. It was a 12-week study. I didn't know anybody doing it at the time, so I did it on my own, and through that with the Lord, he brought about so much healing and redemption. Redemption to the point, and this is what I want to say to you if abortion is a part of your story. There is so much hope for healing. I have three beautiful daughters. I now have three beautiful granddaughters and one granddaughter on the way. She's my oldest daughter is due in about three weeks. But two of my daughters, my second daughter and my third daughter, have the same birthday, January 19th. And about 10 to 12 years ago, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you you create us. Our days are in your hands. Why did you give me two children born on the same day three years apart? And this is what he said to me. He took me to Isaiah 61, where it says, I will give you a double portion for your shame. The abortion that I chose was January 19th, the exact same day that I now have two children born on. So um, as we continue on this day with this very difficult subject, I just want you to know that nothing is impossible with God. And so I have so much hope as we continue on our talk today. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing that. I, I've heard
0: your story uh, multiple times, and every time I hear it, I, I'm just in awe, truly, of what the Lord has done in your life. I've known you for so long. And, um, and just the hope and the love that you pass on to other women and men who find themselves in this situation. And, you know, um, both of you know I'm a data girl. You know, I love data. Um, And I was rereading some of George Barna's latest research. If you don't know who George Barna is, he is a well-known researcher for faith in America for the last 30, 40 years. And I was rereading some of his latest research in the last year and a half as it pertains to the value of human life. And in their research, their findings uh, stated that as a nation, our biblical fa- foundations, of course, they're, they're starting to erode, but Americans' understanding of the fundamental nature of humanity and the value of human life is shifting significantly, where more than six out of 10 adults cannot bring themselves to perceive life as sacred, And that is why you look around and we have the disagreements that we do as it pertains to this issue. Why do you think, and I don't know if you can even answer this, Julie, but maybe something that might come to mind, you know, where did this all go off course for us where all of a sudden we don't even consider human life as sacred, but yet we'll consider turtle eggs or eagles, you know, little eaglets and things like that important enough, but we don't consider a human life. Why do you think that is?
1: You know, Carol, thank you. That's a great question. I'm not sure I have the broad answer for that, but two things come to mind at first. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, because I've asked the Lord that, why has abortion, why has this come to this point in our country? And I think the first part is, every human created is made in the image of God. We are the image of God on the earth. Every single one of us, every color, every creed, male or female, we carry the image of God, the imago Deo. And so what I think abortion is doing at the root is destroying the image of God on the earth. For every child who loses its life, if we just look at America, 63 million, 63 million. I don't even have a concept of what 63 million means. But there are 63 million men and women, sisters and brothers, missing from our country who carried the image of God. Each one of them was unique. Each one of them was created and crafted um, with different characteristics, different facets of a God who who is infinite. So for me, I think the image of God, the evil, the evil one is trying to destroy the image of God on the earth is really a simple answer. But another perspective that comes to mind is, I think in today's culture, so many people do not know their own identity and worth. Mm -hmm. So many women, they have been abused, or neglected, or silenced. They have been abandoned, sometimes by the church. No one that they can see has fought for them. So if we don't have a sense of our profound unique value and worth if I as a as a woman or as a man because of course the, the man is always a part of this story if I don't have a sense of my own life and what I am worth how am I able to fight for a life that I can't even mm-hmm. see how can I fight for the one inside of me that may have created a lot of stress and trauma and so I think many times um yeah we don't know our own we don't know our own identity and worth, so it's hard to fight for the one that is unseen.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, that is so powerful. Even just hearing you talk, I just feel the Holy Spirit yeah, in the room. It's so powerful. Um, Julie, you know one of the questions that comes up in Christian circles is, why are so many pulpits, why are they struggling to address this core issue about life? And
1: what would you say is your experience with that? Oh goodness! Okay, now now we're jumping in. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just going to talk, so interrupt me when you want, and sure. and I'm just going to say a lot of things. So, oh goodness, Lord, um, I think the church is the answer to the issue of abortion. So what's happened? in our country is Planned Parenthood and the pro-abortionists. They've actually been masterful at their at their branding. They've come up with slogans like, we we care about you, we're gonna fight for your rights. We care about women. And th- that voice has been really loud. And the church in general has been very, very quiet because I think we think it's a political issue. I think we're, we're afraid to offend people. We don't wanna get caught up in the right side or the wrong side So sometimes some churches have been silent. I was once um, in the past few years part of a ministry group in a community where the pastors, we all, all the pastors and the ministry people in this community got together once a month and I had some issues with wanting to promote life issues and I wasn't allowed to do it because the person leading the meeting was afraid we would offend somebody if we talked about abortion and talked about life. Mm-hmm. So I think first of all we've got to realize this isn't about being this isn't even about being pro life, pro choice, democrats, republicans. This is the issue that is on God's heart. And so the church it's our it's our joyful responsibility to rise up and bring the kingdom's perspective. So think about our father's prayer. I mean the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven holy be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and i think what god is asking in this moment is that we bring kingdom principles and kingdom strategies down into earth if we if we think we're empowering women with abortion that's what the world system is saying the world system is saying we care about you more we're going to empower you we're going to empower your right to choose and the way to do that is ending the life of your own child inside your womb and it is time that the church rise up and say no in God's kingdom there is no lack there's no lack there's abundance Mm -hmm. and so if if each church you know this Sometimes I get overwhelmed with this issue. Lord, how are we going to meet the needs of every woman, every child, every every father, every family? How do we meet the needs of the community? And it's your local church. If every church would rise up and say, we will take our bundle. We're going to walk with the men and the women. We're going to care for the children in our bundle. Um, the kingdom has enough answers to empower women to make choices that are actually um, the brave and the courageous thing, and that's to to bring life forward. So there's so many many organizations that do this well. There's so many churches in America that have been a voice, but we are now calling the church forward and saying it's not enough just to be pro-life. We need to be pro-family, pro-woman. Let's walk alongside the woman. Let's say, So let me back up a little bit. In my own story, I've had women live with me that were pregnant and had no place to go. I've helped start homes for unwed mothers. I've done um, recovery and healing groups for women who have had abortions. So I don't say this as an idea. It's hard, and it can get really messy. But that's the gospel. The gospel is love is enough. The gospel says Jesus has come for every woman, man, and child. And so if the church could step away from being fearful of of offending people and care for women in need with their practical needs, then I think we would have a better answer than the world system currently does. Thank you so much. Um,
0: You know, most of us have a personal connection to abortion whether it's been a personal experience or maybe a family member or a friend it hits close to home i think for everybody out there and not everyone's experience is the same you, you kind of touched upon that earlier and many women hide this from the closest to them and in some cases even their spouses because the shame is so great and i know you touched upon shame a little bit earlier but can you speak to those people out there julie who may be struggling with the shame of abortion?
1: Um, yes, as I as I mentioned, I've had two abortions, and it's interesting how I saw the Lord come and meet me in my time of sorrow and distress and shame and guilt and self-hatred. Very different ways with those two abortions. So, um, yeah, what I just want to say to you is, remember Christ on the cross, he despised the shame for the joy set before him. And you were the one, if you're carrying shame of abortion, you're the joy that was set before him. It's you. And what I learned in my own healing is there truly is nothing, nothing is impossible with the Lord. With the abortion that I had um, from rape, the violence and the trauma of of the rape, but really the abortion was so extreme. I didn't think God had enough grace for me to walk through that healing. And he did, y'all. He does. That's who he is. He is healing. He is life. He is the truth that's going to bring you freedom. Um, I don't know if we'll have time at the end of the podcast, but in, in the healing of that abortion, he gave me a vision of heaven and where the children are that who have been lost, with abortion so if that's a part of your shame if that's a part of your story I want you to know that I believe with all my heart your children are there in heaven just waiting they they are more fully alive than we are here on the earth they stand in so much perfect love with the Lord um that they will meet you face to face someday with with great joy there is no regret um especially in the Christian circles, this is something I've thought about lately is we still are throwing rocks at the woman. Do you remember the story of the woman who was caught in adultery and they wanted to throw rocks at her? And with the story of abortion, this is still happening in many churches. We're still wanting to throw rocks at the woman with shame. And I think that's where the church needs to repent. I remember one time I shared at a very large church about the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness of God and I literally walked off of the, the where the pulpit was and as I was walking down the stairs a woman walked up to me and she said aren't you ashamed of yourself how could you dare talk about abortion in my church and this is how deeply the Lord has healed the shame in me I was able to look at her and said no I'm not ashamed I said I will always I will always grieve the choices that I made But God has taken my shame and replaced it with his perfect love. So there's so much we could talk about that. There's a lot of, for some women, there's often a lot of grief, a lot of loss, a lot of fear that God's going to punish them for having an abortion and they'll never be able to have children. I thought that. I thought, well, I'll never have children. And now I have three and almost four grandchildren. So in God's goodness and his kindness, he, he wants to meet the desires of our heart. And so if abortion is a part of your story, I just encourage you, if, if there is some healing that you need, um, seek a local pregnancy center. They often have post-abortion redemption healing groups. Um, reach out to someone you know who you trust and have them help you find a group or a church or a ministry because there's many out there who will care for you and want to bring God's healing.
2: Mm-hmm. that's so good Julie and you touched on this um, people who are struggling emotionally as well um, but what about those women who are struggling emotionally and then you know some women are dealing with major psych- uh, psychological side effects resulting from abortion and what would you say to those women you touched on it a little bit but maybe just go a little bit more in depth
1: yeah I think for me there's there's different things um, sometimes professional counseling is needed Um, Sometimes a lot of my healing came through worship, came through prayer, came through um, the Word. How often God has spoken spoken to me through the truth of Scripture over and over and over. His loving kindness endures forever through His Word. I think if you can find one person to share with, if you've never if you've never told your story telling it one time will open up the the pathway will open up the door to your healing i'm this is so exciting i received a call yes or it was a text i received a text yesterday from a a woman who knows my story and she's connecting me with a woman who has had an abortion so we're actually going to talk in the next day or two so sometimes it's having the, the courage just to just to start the conversation um and that can lead to your healing. Let me divert a little bit in regard to this. Something that Carol said earlier was, we've got to talk about this issue. That's part of the problem. We've been silent on it. And I've spoken a lot about abortion, but recently I've been asking the Lord, Lord, how do we talk about this issue? I felt like what I was saying was not getting through anymore. And there was a new way. There was a new wineskin how to talk to women and men about abortion. And what the Lord had me do, instead of talking to people, I engaged them in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I created a really safe environment where there was no judgment. And again, it wasn't being about being political. It wasn't about Democrats or Republican. It was, let's talk about this issue. And as we engaged in a safe conversation, we engaged in different people's different perspectives, different feelings, Um there became such a unity of value of life that I think we have to we have to figure out different ways to talk, engage people in the conversation and not just talk to them.
0: Yeah, I think you hit on something really important, Julie, and it's it's the conversation. I think uh, there having been in ministry, um, inner healing ministry for a while, one of the quote hidden sins in a lot of people is the sin of abortion and or just that whole experience they had and and how much they've held on to it. And when you hold on to something, whether it's abortion or whatever, whatever it is that has separated you from the Lord, um over the years, what that can do to you mentally, what it can do to your body physically what it can do to you relationally and spiritually. But once it's shared in a safe environment like you mentioned, the the healing process begins, like quickly. Mm-hmm. And I have seen women and men just so set free from that bondage of that the accuser of the brethren keeps whispering in their ear. And they're set free from that, and they do receive that grace and mercy from
1: God, and it is a beautiful thing to witness. And did you want to add something? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Carol. That I was just thinking what you said was so so good about um, in the story of abortion. Some a group, a people group that often gets forgotten is the fathers, mm-hmm. and I they, there's actually a ministry called Forgotten Fathers because we so much care about the woman and want to want to fight for her we care about the child but in every in every abortion there was a father Mm -hmm. and I have worked with men who they were the ones that wanted to keep the child and in many states the father has no right he has no say um, whether the woman is going to have an abortion or not so in this story Carol like you were saying as we we, we open up more and we talk more. We must always remember to talk about the father because sometimes they are deeply grieved and they have their own brokenness and their own shame. With the story of my own abortion that I chose, this is really profound to me. It was 30 years later, the man that was the father of that child came to me and, and asked for my forgiveness. And he said it wasn't until he held his firstborn child That he actually realized what he had asked me to do Mm. so sometimes men process well most of the time I think men process abortion much differently they weren't pregnant their hormones weren't changing they weren't carrying the, the child within their own womb so they they have a different experience but their loss and the loss to families can be just as great as the loss to the woman so let's start talking with the men as well Yeah. You know, um,
0: Julie, a big pro-choice argument today is that if abortion isn't legalized, most women would just go and have it done anyway, right? Which can be done unsafely if not done in a medical setting. And that was the experience decades ago. So how, as Christians, can we respond to this legitimate issue? You don't have to answer this, but I'm just genuinely curious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I will answer it because I, I, I have a hard time with it being a legitimate issue. So let, let's, go, let's go to the very basics of abortion. If abortion is ending the life of a child, then why would we ever legalize the safe killing of a child? We don't, legal, we don't legalize the killing of a 2-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 52-year-old. So that's one of those masterful arguments that the pro-abortion side has put forth. We have to have legal abortions to keep women safe. If abortion is ending the life of a child, then it's actually murder. And if we're ending the life of a child, we would never, ever want to legalize it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, um, being here in Colorado and having just had the heinous law passed that we just passed, especially for a full term child and removing all rights from the child. It is, it really devastated so many people out there, even people who, who do stand strongly as a pro choice person. It's really hard to get your head around the ending, the life of a child that can be uh, birthed and adopted out that can, Mm -hmm. has a viable chance at living. And so it is a real controversial issue.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so Julie, what are some of the ways that people can get involved to help these women who are thinking about abortions? And you touched on this, um, a bit. I just wanted to give space if there's any other ideas for you and just other ways to get involved in this movement.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, Mallory. I, this is where I have so much joy and so much hope because I think the church is waking up. So, church, let's wake up and let's let's think strategically. How do we actually walk alongside women and men who are in pregnancies that were not planned, that are unexpected? Um, there's lots of there's lots of practical ways. Get involved with a local pregnancy center. It's so it's so interesting to me. It's the pregnancy centers. It's, it's the people who are pro-life that are providing the needed care. So you could get involved as a volunteer. You could counsel. You could help lead. Um, we have, they do parenting classes. Um, yeah, so example, here right in Colorado, we have so many organizations that I would stand behind. There's Save the Storks. Um, they, pra- they have practical help for women in need, women who are carrying an unplanned pregnancy. Um, we have pregnancy centers all over the Metroplex. If you're someone who is geared more toward the political side, get get involved in politics. Get involved at the local level. Get in lo- involved at the state level. We've always thought that laws don't change hearts. A changed hearts will change laws. So as you begin to live out the sanctity of life, the holiness of life, and you get involved in politics. You can speak the truth in love with strength, into the political realm and hopefully you'll see you'll see hearts changing and laws can be changed. Um, there are so I'll give you an example in Hawaii. I'm with a pregnancy center there, and we're doing so many things. The thing that's on the horizon that we're so excited about is often women, especially single women who are pregnant, their housing is always an issue. And if you could get a woman in a secure, safe environment where she feels loved and cared for, then it gives her time and space to make a decision that's best for her and the child. So we're in the process of looking to start a home, actually a whole community of um, of living situations for mothers who are pregnant. They, they can have multiple children. They'll come in with maybe two children. But if we can give a woman a safe place to live, give her community, help support her in her mothering role, help give her education to where she can support her own family, walk alongside of her with job interviews, um, think of all the practical ways you can help women and support them in their needs yeah and you know you just made me think of something julie that i'd love to
0: have you share with everybody out there in line with that speak to the power of the ultrasound because i know save the storks for example which they're down in the springs colorado springs they have the traveling the motor vehicle that gives ultrasounds there's life's options in the foothills of colorado here they do ultrasounds tell us about you know finding the home is powerful but ultrasounds are powerful tell
1: us why Yeah, this is so exciting. So I've been involved in quite a few pregnancy centers, both in Texas and Colorado. And when I have been in the room over and over and over again, because what happens when a woman comes in confused and scared and not knowing what she's going to do? When you, when, when a woman has an ultrasound and she sees the beating heart of her child, And she sees that child moving in her womb. I've been in in ultrasounds when you literally see the baby sucking its thumb and the feet are kicking. One time it almost looked as if they were waving. When a mother sees her child, I don't quite remember the statistics, Carol, but I think it's close to 70% of women choose life. I was in a sonogram once. Um where a woman started weeping and weeping she goes that's my son Mm -hmm. and she was able to identify with the child within her womb as her son as opposed to a problem that needed to be solved and resolved so the sonogram i've been in there when there might be a boyfriend that was really, um, really wanting his girlfriend to get an abortion, and he sees the child. He's, you hear the beating heart, and he can't deny that that is his own child. I've seen men change their minds and choose life because of the sonogram. Mm-hmm.
2: That's so beautiful. I love that. Julie, just as before we close this episode, what would be just something, whatever you want to share on this issue? Also, will you please share that vision that you had of heaven that you were saying?
1: I was really excited to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, I will. It's, um, oh, there's so much. I, I just think in our, I think the messaging has been wrong. Again, so much of our world today, I think we're in a season in God's timing when women are going to be empowered to become all that they're going to be. And I know that we have better than abortion to offer women. I I think we have to really look at that um, and look at families and communities. How do we walk alongside of them? But, um, you know, we're called as believers to walk. James 1.27 says, this is what perfect and pure religion is. This is, if if we want one simple answer, do you know what James 1.27 says? It says to care for widows and orphans in their time of need. That's what the word of the Lord said is pure religion. And the word in the Bible, widow, means a woman without the covering of a husband. And the word orphan means a child without a father. So our greatest calling, besides making disciples to know God and make him known, in James 1 27 says to care for the widow and orphan in their time of need. So I think if we can shift our focus to that, I think it empowers all of us to come walk alongside the woman. I think so many times we're called. um, We look at the poor. We look at the needy. We look at the foreigner. We look at the people in our society who have been marginalized. And if we're going to look at human rights and human rights issue, the the right of the unborn and their right to life is as important as every other human right. And I think we've got to start reframing that as well. In, in the Old Testament, over and over and over, the Lord, he commands us. He doesn't ask us. He commands us to care for the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner, the alien, the one who doesn't have a home of their own. And he also says, you are blessed if you do. And he says, you are cursed in Deuteronomy. He says, you're cursed if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. And it actually brings me to a holy fear for our church, y'all, in America today. We are cursed if we don't start walking with these women and men and children. We must do this. This is our, this is our calling. But I, I will share. I'll end with this vision of heaven um, because it healed me on a level. I think so many women, again, not every woman, but many women who have abortion abortions have so much guilt And they have this dread of what happened to their children and the dread of even ever meeting them again in heaven. And um, part of the healing that the Lord brought to me from the first abortion that I had when I was 15, the one where I was raped and forced to have an abortion, I, I had a vision, and this is the vision. I was me at this age, and there was a little girl, about four or five, and she came up to me, and she took my hand, And she said to me, she said, she said, Mommy, don't cry, don't cry. I'm okay, I'm okay. And I think I needed to know on a deep, deep level that my child was okay. Could God be that good? Could he be that good that this child that was lost could be okay? And this little girl came up to me and she took my hand and she goes, Mommy, don't cry, I'm okay. And what happened were that there are these two huge sliding glass doors They were um, like a frosted glass, and she stood on the right side, and I stood on the left side, and we pulled open the doors, and we were looking into heaven. I knew we were looking into heaven. I wanted to be there. We weren't there, but we could see into heaven, and this is what I saw. There was this huge, it's, it's like the stories you hear. Heaven, everything is brighter. Everything everything is clear. There are smells and sounds and beauty that we we only see a bare reflection here on earth, but we could see into heaven, and there was this field, and on this field, there's this huge, huge, giant tree, and on this tree is a very simple swing. It was a rope swing, so there were two ropes, and, but there was this wooden plank that where you could sit like 30 kids at one time, and there were all these kids, and they were swinging on the swings together. And then in this field, there were different ages. The, the vision I had, I'm not saying this is a word from the Lord, but the kids I saw were anywhere from about three years old to about 10 or 11. They weren't tiny infants. They were they were more mature than that. And in this field were angels. And then I thought, well, of course there's angels. There's guardian angels. And these angels were guarding and caring for these children. And on this field, they were all, they were full of joy and they were full of life. They were, like I said earlier, they were more alive than I think I've ever been because they're fully healed and they're fully alive in the presence of the Lord. And they're all playing and they're laughing. And I had this sense that they just can't wait to meet us. But there was, there was no sadness in their hearts. So I'm watching these children play. I'm watching all these kids on the swing. And then out of the left corner of this vision, I couldn't see it yet. I hear this trumpet sound and it goes, do, 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 his majesty, the king. So in my mind, as I'm seeing this vision, I think, well, of course, Jesus is going to walk out on this meadow. Well, what it was, the ground began to shake and it was a giant lion. It was just like Aslan, this giant lion walks out on this meadow field and when he did every child and every every angel became silent and they bowed in holy reverence to the king of kings and lord of lords and as they were bowed this lion opened up and he gave this huge loud terrifying lion roar and when he did it in the vision i said don't do that don't do that you'll you'll scare the children But then what actually happened after the roar it must be a game he plays with the children the children jumped up off the field and they raced to this lion this king who they know and they love and the feeling i got as they were running to the lion it's the feeling like if you're on a a really fun but terrifying scary a roller coaster And they were just, they were giggling and laughing and doing somersaults as they ran and they were tumbling in this field as they ran and they just could not wait to get to the lion. And as the children got there, he opened up his front two legs and the children ran to him and he embraced them completely and then he pulled them into his heart. And I believe... I believe that's true. That was the end of the vision. I believe that those children are literally in the heart of the Lion of Judah, the King who we love, who we call King Jesus. That's where they live in heaven with him until we come. And as I've shared that story, sometimes the Lord will have me share that story with different women. And I've had, I think it's at least three, three different women start screaming with delight, telling me, I know that field. I've seen the tree. One woman told me she, in, in a dream she had, it wasn't a vision, it was a dream, and in the dream she had, she met it was a son that she had aborted, and she met the son on that swing. It was the exact same swing, and she got to swing with him. I talked to another friend who, uh, who had had lost a niece to an abortion, and she got to to meet the niece at this same tree. So, yeah. I think the story's not over. I think those children are living now in heaven with the Lord, and someday we will see them as well as Jesus face to face. But church, let's do everything now. Let's do everything now we can do to bring forth the children that God is birthing on the earth. Because as we know, we are in times that we have never experienced ever before in history. And I believe with all my heart that the children— that are to to be born in this season, we're made for such a time as this, and we cannot lose one of them. We don't want to lose one. We don't want one woman walking alone in a difficult pregnancy. We don't want one father losing a child that he wants to father. We don't want one family losing a sister or a brother. It's time that that stops and that we rise up. And, um, really come together across denominational lines, across ministry lines, that we come united as one for the life of our country. Wow.
0: Thank you so much, Julie. Right when you were closing out, that verse came to mind, children are a heritage of the Lord. That means possession. Mm -hmm. The children are his possession So the church must respond. And so we just want to thank you so much for joining us on this program today. You guys, Julie is passing through on her way somewhere exciting because her oldest daughter is getting ready to have a baby in another country. So we just are so blessed that you made the time to come here today and share that. And we hope that it blessed or encouraged or um, just helped someone out there today. That was the whole point of today's episode. And if you have questions for Julie, or if you would like to connect with her at some point or just have questions for us, please reach out at preparetheway@jcmcolorado.com. Let's keep each other in prayer, my friends. The world is rocking back and forth with so many things, and the church has quite an extraordinary opportunity to influence it for the greater good, for the kingdom of God. God bless you.